Hi guys, welcome to episode 7 of the Simply Medics podcast. Hey, hope you've had a great week. And hope you're not too stressed with everything that's going on. Coronavirus will not kill us all. Amen. As Cardi B says, coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) I love that meme so much. (laughs) They turned it into a song. Oh gosh. I saw it, I saw it. Yeah. Social media will not come in. At least social media is bringing some light out of this craziness mm, i think it's yeah. i think it's debatable but it has um, highs and lows it yeah highs and lows. take social media breaks people please switch yeah. your phone off and sleep sometimes yeah so we actually didn't really want to do an episode on coronavirus but obviously it's still very topical and a lot a lot has happened mm. so we thought rather than go into the whole kind of things we've mentioned before in previous podcasts we'll kind of give you what's going on in our own kind lives. of lives yeah. our, our education and just kind of give you the update it's different for different medical schools yes. but we're just going to say what's happening to yeah. us so i think you should go first <laughs> well so i don't know officially when but from the looks of things, um, it looks like I'm graduating sooner than, rather than later. So officially, my graduation was meant to be July the 14th. That was the date that was set by the university. Mm. Um, but because of what's happening, it seems that they want to graduate final year medical students early so that we can join the workforce and help support current doctors. So it looks like maybe within a week or two weeks, I'm not exactly sure on the dates, because yeah. nothing's been officially confirmed, but it, within maybe less than a month's time i will be graduating as a doctor wow and possibly work starting work relatively soon so when were you supposed to start work originally i was meant to start work i think the official day for f1 to start work was august the first and potentially within the next month yeah i'm going to be starting work so that's forward by like what four months yes wow I know it's a bit mad still. So here you are, just on placement, just just minding your business, trying to get some histories, yep. trying to get some skills, yep. trying to prepare, and then the email just drops. Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to even think where I was. I was on a it was a Tuesday. I remember. I I was I think, um, I was in my room. It was at like twelve or something. It was in the afternoon. Yeah, and I just got an email, and it was like, um, it seems that. With what's happening, the university's been talking to the medical school council, the general medical council, and a few other bodies Mm. to try and fast track our um, graduation date so that we can start work soon. And I was just thinking, I was in my room and I was thinking, wait, what? Um, Mm -hmm. To this day, I'm still like, what is going on? Like, I'm happy that I'm graduating. Obviously, why would I not be five years I'm scared, not going to lie. Yeah. Because although I feel competent that I have the skills and the knowledge, because obviously I've passed my finals in fourth year and I've completed most of the skills that I need in my portfolio, there is so much that I still feel like I could do. Yeah. Um, I could still be learning before I start working in August. And you've not had your A&E placement exactly. yet. Exactly. So I'm just like, ah, what's happening? Mm. But, you know, like I've spoken to friends who are junior doctors and a lot of them say, you actually learn more on the job than you do when you're in medical school. Yeah. Medical school just acts as a foundation. A lot of the clinical skills and stuff that you do, you end up, because you're doing it so more so often and you're doing it most of the time, and you're supervised but not officially supervised it's yeah. not like when you're medical school you have a doctor they're watching you do it yeah um so you end up having to learn how to be more efficient and how and quicker and you pick up more when you're 
you're doing the you're, it, when it's your job basically yeah so i'm not i'm not bothered about that aspect but i'm just like boy life has come at me so quickly so fast ha huh. i remember when you told me i just screamed <laughs> I was just screaming in my room because I was just like, this is not this is not reality. It's not. I feel like I'm in a movie. I what genuinely is, feel like I'm in a movie. What is going on in this world? Yeah. I know when it's asked, do you think it's going to be like you're going to be on the front line fighting coronavirus or more kind of they're pulling you in to do the jobs of F1 so they can be freed up to do... Other things. Other things. I'm actually not sure. That's the whole thing. The thing about everything, like because everything's happening so quickly mm. and like one of the consultants was saying it's like every four hours there is something new is occurring every four hours there's new information about so patients got coronavirus the suspected coronavirus case yeah um general medical council is saying this the government is saying this information is always changing so quickly yeah that we're not even sure so this moment in time i don't know what my new job was going to entail yeah like my new job prior to starting officially in for foundation training in august yeah i don't know what the job's gonna entail i don't know if it's going to be more like you know follow the doctor in the ward round and help um with the ward round notes and ttos yeah like so discharge summaries or if it's going to be like oh go assess this patient potentially the amount of coronavirus we don't know genuinely yeah. don't know i don't think they will put you like first though no i mean that's thing i think that's one of one of the things that's been really frustrating yeah. about the whole kind of medical school situation it's not anyone's fault to be no. fair but because no one knows they can't really communicate and they were yeah. left waiting in the dark and it's just not it's like living in limbo right now yeah so much uncertainty i yeah. feel like my entire fifth year has been one massive ball of uncertainty mm. from jobs to like now this every day i'm just waiting for an email from the medical school to yeah. be like this is ha- this is what's happening now yeah this is crazy i think regardless though i will say and i I bet people on the podcast listening will say big congratulations to you thank you doctor (laughs) thank you so much and now that she's a doctor she can officially give um advice but always go to your gp and see the doctors wait till the wait till the um i get my official registration and then i can be giving legit advice for now we can do your your situations and everything yes so yeah oh i'm actually excited like i can't believe five years is is up now yeah but to be fair like your story is going to be so unique like you you can tell your grandkids yeah your grand grand your great grandkids like like i was drafted to the front lines (laughs) to help battle with coronavirus (laughs) drafted for the pandemic it really feels like we're being drafted we're being enlisted into the nhs yeah but when it's not just medical students finding medical students that are in this boat there is nursing students, the midwifery students as well. Yeah. So the um, the NMC, Nursing and Midwifery Council, have also released similar guidance saying that if final year nursing students want to temporarily, um, like, want to register early to help mm. out, they too can do that. And they'll, they'll be paid, obviously, the, yeah. the right amount. It is crazy. I'm not sure, like, is this happening in other countries? I don't know. Is this a reflection of the NHS? I'm, like... I, same, like... When, because obviously when this all started, I think it was maybe two, three weeks ago, the Medical mm. School Council um, and the GMC released a statement. And I think the GMC statement that they released was in exceptional and in extreme cases, yeah. they would graduate medical students early to work as doctors. Yeah. So I thought, oh, it's not going to get to that stage. Well, it looks like that stage happened real quick. Yeah. 
and I, like you're saying, I don't. I know that we have a shortage of doctors. I'm not sure what the official numbers are. Um, I think we mentioned it before in our podcast, yeah. in one of the episodes, the official numbers. So I don't know if they're trying to bridge the gap with with this current um, cohort. I don't know. I think is that over a thousand or a thousand medical? Students? No, it's probably more than that. I still don't think it would, it would touch. It the won't gap touch though. it. It won't no. touch it because there's like 42 medical schools. Some medical schools have a population of about 300 students, and you're about what's. 50? we're like 50 so it's yeah. very variable but I, i'm not exactly sure but maybe there's like what four thousand five thousand six thousand medical students nah. graduating um don't quote me on that because i'm not exactly sure on the data but even that won't plug the gap yeah especially in this climate because if a doctor gets is covid positive they're going to have to be taken off the wards yeah and self-isolate or, um, imagine doctors who live with other doctors exactly as well. so it's just is a it's not going to it's going to help the workforce and prop it up a bit but mm. it's not going to help plug that gap that's currently there yeah and then i was listening to um like the radio earlier and apparently like icu bears respiratory wards are getting to capacity mm. and oh i think i read this morning how boris johnson was like trying to exp- expand the mortuaries and it's yeah, like china's building hospital and you're expanding the mortuaries. mortuaries i mean he's being realistic let's be honest people are going to die like he said i guess so, so your loved ones are going to die so yeah. unfortunately it is reality and we have to support the living and the dead yeah i guess so it's just it's just really sad mm. no one ever 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 saw this come Mm-mm. in and that's the thing. I think a lot of a lot of countries are recognizing the importance of having a so a healthcare system that is socialist. Yeah. So like how we have the NHS, healthcare is free. Yeah. A lot of countries are recognizing that, and it's important because in this situation, everybody, every single person, it's not just each man for themselves. It's mm. every, we're all we all impact each other. Yeah. If one person gets sick and they go outside in the street and it affects everybody, then you're just creating more patients that are ill. Yeah. That's why self-isolation is important, quarantine is important, and social yeah. distancing. And if we don't have a healthcare that's going to be able to freely provide testing for everybody and treatment, the pandemic will just get worse within our countries. Yeah, it's true. When you said it affects everyone, it, it, what came to my mind of all the like kind of mm. big stars that got infected. So like Tom Hanks and his wife and yeah. the Canadian president's yeah. wife and then Idris Elba. And it's just like, these are people who are rich and powerful and that doesn't protect no, them doesn't. at all. You have government ministers. What was the health minister? Oh yeah. She she was tested positive. Yeah. And one I think another minister in another country died recently from coronavirus. Was it South Africa? No. Was it Guinea? It wasn't Guinea. It was an African country. Yeah, I forgot which yeah. country it was, but so do you know what I mean? Like mm. no Ill- illness is the respect of no person. Yeah. Whether it's malaria, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's flu, diabetes, high blood pressure. Yeah. It does not matter what kind of person you are. If it's gonna, get, if it's gonna get to, it's gonna get to you, and we all need to make take the necessary precautions to ensure that we're all healthy. Yeah, I think what I want to emphasize for people that's kind of our age, maybe a bit older, mm. the importance of social distancing. Because like Idris Elba came on um, Twitter or whatever the other day, and he was like, oh, he's got coronavirus. Mm. He's well. He's fine. He's showing no symptoms, but obviously he's caught it and his well and if that's the situation for you like you might have it you're but you're well. well and then you're going from a to b you don't know who you're interacting with exactly. and then who they live with or if they have underlying health conditions mm. so for some people i know it's like it's quite a joke on um like instagram and social media is like what people are doing in quarantine 
routine mm. and then self-isolation and it will get boring after a while but like we you just need that discipline to stay mm. because by you going out you're just being an agent Exactly, spreading it around exactly. and that's that's going to contribute so a lot of people think well i'm fit i'm well i'm healthy that's great but we want to also keep others fit and well and healthy yeah. and by staying home self-isolating exactly like it seems like it's such a small action but it will make it, it such a, a big difference impact. yeah it has such a big impact because there's been stuff on social media where um health coworkers are saying stay at home so that i can be i, I can be safe yeah because for example, you have so many people that work in hospitals, nurses, doctors, mm. porters, um, healthcare assistants, cleaners, cleaners, ward clerks, yeah. um, people that, you know, the people in catering that cook the food, mm. that dish out the food. You have all these people. The NHS is actually a massive employer in this country. Yeah. And you have a, a massive, such a big group of staff. And if, peop- if these people who work day in day out having to go to work because unfortunately they have no choice mm. they can't work from home yeah some of them can but the majority can't yeah and you have people who are being reckless because that's what it is is recklessness to go outside knowing that you may not you may be asymptomatic but mm. you could be spreading it mm. and you're, you're walking around becoming a super spreader yeah and it's reckless because you're going to spread it to people that need to be fit and well to work yeah i mean you don't have to go to the gym there's youtube you can do exactly. home workouts there's alternatives listen brunch might have to wait for a couple of months but you know is is your brunch that important exactly. now like i understand like we're social beings and people want to meet up but even like even like with us like i'm not sure about you but i'm having second thoughts about being in church because one thing this virus has shown me is like in church in uni just in life in general we are so So we're so close to each other like physically in the space like i went shopping yesterday and i was just like at the till and i was just like now these people are too close to me (laughs) like they need to if i just stretch my hands everyone needs to take a step back yeah and you don't realize because like there's been nothing like this before yeah to to want to be near each other mm. and i think that's what's making it difficult for people to like to social distance and to self-isolate yeah but i guess we'll go into that on the next episode yes well my church is currently closed oh really so we're going to be doing online church now okay no problem for me because you know I've, I've been doing online church sometimes so you've been ready <laughs> I'm re- i've been ready i've been ready yeah so i'm good. good i mean i actually love being physically there but you know for we don't want Ill, sick, um, people, elderly people getting sick. And it's not just elderly people. Even young people can get yeah. severely affected by it. Mm, there was a, like a young footballer or something that died recently yeah. from it. But. Yeah, he didn't know. I think he had leukemia. But he didn't know. He didn't know. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. So you could be judgingly enjoying life. Next minute you get the virus and boof. Yeah. You find out you've got an underlying health condition. God protect us all, man. Amen. Honestly. I think it's my turn to ask you. So obviously we've talked a bit about family and medical students and how it's affected us. And mm. people probably know that most of my family and medical students are graduating early or they've completed their degree now. You know, it's all over social media. Mm. But I want to ask you, since you have your finals in June, mm. so how has this whole coronavirus thing affected you in terms of the finals as well as how has it affected you in terms of your placement as well? Coronavirus... Mm. I'm not. I'm not saying messed up because I believe there's power. Um, power lies in the tongue. Mm. So, but coronavirus really um, changed everyone's plans this year. 2020 was saying, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Coronavirus pulled up and said, screw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, so it's been a week of just kind of high tensions and Boy. uncertainty. Um, so I'm gonna take you all the way back. 
So last week, um, one of the doctors who teaches us anaesthetics, he said there's been a confirmed case at the hospital and he's been in contact with them. Mm -hmm. And then later on he said, yeah, I'll see you at (laughs) 7.45 for teaching. We said, oh no, honey. (laughs) Pause, did he send an email saying this? He sent, um, he's in communication with one of the students because he always confirms like the night before if we're having early morning teaching or later that day. So yeah, so then in our group chat, it just started popping off. We're like, I should we come in? Listen, do you know how many chats I've had to mute? Because it's, it's actually been a lot. It's been wow. too much. So um, we're like, I think it's best if we just don't go ahead with teaching because, and you shouldn't be at work. But then obviously the government weren't actually testing staff. Yeah. And he didn't have any symptoms. Are they testing so. staff now? They said they're going to. Boris Johnson said something about you know how he fumbles about um right with like um, just 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 spit it out boris like <gasps> stop that um but yeah i think the most recent thing he said as of today mm. which is the is it the 19th he said that there's been kind of a test kind of similar to a pregnancy test that looks for antibodies so it can test if you've been infected or if you are infected and then if you if you're not if you yeah if you're immune then you can come back to work so i think they're trying to like just confirm that it's actually like sensitive and Mm. specific and then roll it out and test they're saying testing nhs staff is their priority Mm -hmm. so but it's been weeks of people screaming it and it's like surely the people on the front line should be tested but that's another side note yeah definitely. so but at least they're doing it now and that's just important it's a bit late but you know I mean, they're already saying, the government already saying it's for about 55,000 people that probably already have coronavirus. Yeah, but they're not testing. I think they were testing a max 25,000 a day day. and now they're going to stretch up to by like 10 times more. So who's going to be testing all these people? I don't know. You're you're the one working (gasps) on the front line. Boy, better not be me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we are like, oh, let's just cancel teaching. And then bit by bit a lot of hospital teaching started to get cancelled and people were a bit apprehensive and like I'm on my medicine rotation or I was on my medicine rotation and there was like respiratory wards in clinics and everybody felt like kind of a bit iffy about going in to respiratory wards yeah because that's where they're obviously keeping the the cases yeah yeah. and then yikes and then I had my A&E weekend. Yeah. So I was in places like A&E and AMU. And that's kind of like the front line mm. where someone's potentially coming in, but you don't know. Suspected COVID case. Yeah. So like one of the um, the admin staff up there was like, you know, you don't have to do if you don't want to. But we done it and it was it was an okay weekend. Yeah. But there was just so much uncertainty. And we were asking the med school, like, what do do? Are, are we supposed to be going on placement? It's not safe for patients. It's not safe for us. Yeah. We, we go between so many different wards. So first what started is all the younger years from like years one, one to, to three, three, they got pulled out of placement. That was like last, was it last week or week after, last week before? I'm pretty sure it was last week. Was it last week? Yeah. yeah I, yeah, I remember was. Michael and his voice note. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, how does it feel to be God's favourite? <laughs> so yeah, but then like just the uni in general, not just the med school. Yeah, the uni just closed everything off, Closed everything, yeah. Because obviously you think lecture theatres and seminar groups, you're in really small rooms. Right, yeah. So everyone's coughing and sneezing and getting... So then, yeah. So then I think because um, fourth year and fifth year are quiet priorities in terms of being very heavily placement-based, yeah, they tried to keep us... The GMC and Medical School Council did say priorities for fourth and fifth years. Yeah, so they tried to keep us. And then we had like a webinar Monday, your year, my year, and... That was interesting, Cha. Hi, it was very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And then two days later, we just got, well, I guess yesterday, we just got an email saying um, placement terminated effective immediately. Must be nice. Listen, <laughs> I jumped in my car and I was back in, I was back here 
ASAP. But then I had to go back today and move some things out. And then we got an email later saying all exams for fourth year have been now moved to fifth year. Mm. And that potentially means I'm finished with fourth year now. Woo! Congratulations. I'm a fifth, I'm a final year medic. I <laughs> you're speaking into existence. So I'm coming yeah, so I'm I'm currently um kind of packing. Please to go reintroduce to yourself for us, thank you. Hi, my name is Moyo and I'm a fifth year medic. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's just it's very unconventional. How does it feel? This whole feel, this whole thing feels just surreal. Uh-huh. Like I called my parents because I was uh-huh. just like, I'm coming to London. I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, I'm in fifth year. Do you know what they both did? What? They just started laughing. <laughs> I thought that my parents said to them, um, I'm graduating. I'm graduating soon. I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. And my dad was like, My dad actually laughed on the phone. No congratulations. No, he just laughed. He just laughed and was like, Oh okay, oh, welcome, welcome to the workforce. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Corona has really just pushed things forward. So. Yeah. I like I think getting to your final year of med school is a big thing, but because mm. of the current situation and how it happened, nothing feels in. real. Yeah. But I know one day, like in two weeks, I'll wake up in my single bed in London and I'll just be like, rah, I'm in fifth year. Yeah. I'm almost free. Technically, yeah. That blue lany- lanyard is gonna be around my neck. <laughs> basically. So it's all surreal, but like it's kind of there's kind of like pros and cons mm. so like i have more time now to study for finals you've got a lot of time yeah but then i don't really get much of a summer break because that's yeah. always going to be at the back, back of my mind, mind. but it shall be well Amen. it shall be well um electives got cancelled oh. <laughs> so um i don't think i've actually mentioned it on the podcast but i was supposed to be going to grenada Gen- so Gen- i was going to be there for four weeks you know oh, in the hospital and then you know having pina coladas on, on the beach hey! So, like a, a nice elective yeah no i was really looking forward to it like i was working out getting getting some body ready yeah now the summer will take whatever body yeah but arrives. then i think because of everything else that's been going on i'm just like you know what in the grand scheme of things What's the, what is an elective it's sad it's not happening but I, my 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 priority is just getting exams done yeah electives are really great and it's an amazing opportunity to like do something that you love and you're interested in yeah but the most important you came to medical school to catch a degree yeah and the most important fact one of the most important exams that you will do in medical school is your finals yeah so if that has to take precedent over your elective then let it be so unfortunately it's not great but yeah something has to give you know it'll just be weird because like oh my gosh so the new fourth years when we come back oh my yeah the current third years they'll go on electives none of them should talk to me i don't want to hear oh. anything you so what did you? I don't. I don't ask me any questions. Like hopefully they won't. Like because yeah, hopefully they won't. I mean, it's unfortunate for them because they won't have anybody to ask questions to. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll retract my statement. Sense? I was. I'm. I'm quite an organized person. So I was very good about like I had my my elective sorted by September last yeah. year. So like, um, if if you do want to go to Grenada or the Caribbean, like drop us a message. I'm happy to kind of give you information. Yeah. Recommend the company I went yeah. with and stuff. <laughs> By the grace of God, I did not pay for my elective. So the money, like apart from my flights, and I got a bursary from the med school. Oh, okay. So I'm going to try and see if I can get that money back or use yeah. it to fly somewhere else later or next year. But I didn't drop a single penny. So everything I've saved so far is still mine. There's no kind of stress oh, to get it back. And that's kind of an unexpected blessing for fifth year. Because yeah. I know, like we were saying before, financially how financially yeah. everything is just different. So... You know, there's there's pros and cons, and it's new. But you know what? 
we all make our plans and God determines our steps. He does. So the, the thing about life is that you never know how this is all going to benefit you in the future. Yeah. Um. Right now, like, I'm a bit, you know, sad that I don't get a graduation ceremony. Yeah. Sad as that is. I've been looking forward to this for the past five years. It's what's been keeping me going this final year. I'm like, graduation ceremony, yay. Yeah. But do you know what? I came here to become a doctor and if I have to do it sooner rather than later, then let it be so. Yeah. Um, our friend basically said she thought it would be nice. She don't want a winter graduation, but she said she thought it would be nice if there's a way they could like do 2020 and 21 together. Oh, so next year. Yeah. Because it would be like the... Well, I'm, I'm slap bang in the middle of my F1 going to my F2. Yeah. Let's see if we can get a leave for that. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like... That would I know, be nice. Yeah. It's not like... In the grand scheme of things and everything that's going that would on, be this, nice. yeah, but it'd be really nice. It's it's a nice Massive, day, though. yeah. The ceremony is 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 mad boring though. I'll be honest. Like I've been to mine, obviously. I've been to my brothers, and it's like <laughs> I've been to a few. That was pretty dry. Yeah, it's just to, the, the fun part's the pictures. Let's be honest. It's the pictures, yeah, yeah and the sleigh mm. and the new hair, yes, and the outfit yeah. and the gown, and just seeing your parents happy. Like so this is what's the thing. Like my mom and dad have been my rock these yeah. past five years, and. I really wanted to celebrate this moment with them on that day. Yeah. And just, you know what I mean? Like, because in my house, there's a picture of my cousins who've all had their graduations and my parents, like, have their pictures in the in, yeah. the in the living room. And I was really hoping and praying that my picture would be there this summer. Yeah. It would just be of me with my cap on. And I genuinely, like, I know how happy my parents would be to have that in the living room. Yeah. And, like, although the ceremony is, like, dry that's the gen that is the picture that i wanted for my parents yeah. to have i mean i think once everything's died down i i'm i'm definitely confident there will be like a way you can get the like cap we'll, and gown we'll and the picture have a winter grad if anything yeah because they do it for master's students yeah so if it's died down by like july june ish they might just put it in the winter yeah because it's it's actually such a shame for like all the hard work to kind of just mm not really there's nothing to show for it that's what i'm saying like so. i have a certificate and i have doctor but sis what do i have to show that i graduated yeah coronavirus has really um has really mixed remixed 2020 let's call mm, it mm. it's remixed 2020 it but something that has kind of stayed the same well for you anyway is the um foundation program training oh yeah that so Forgot about that no. <laughs> do you want to do you want to let the the good listeners know what's gone on for you yes so i think it was, was it last week what was it the 12th it was, of march yeah last week a week today right yeah it was because on a thursday yeah so on the 12th of march at midnight the foundation training program postage came out yeah so we knew um so allocations came out so we knew which dinu got allocated to yeah so i was in my bedroom in blackburn asleep went to bed super early that night and it hit off the email as opened and I saw the email mm. and it said um foundation schools like you did um, allocations yeah so I opened it signed into my Oriel account and I was like where am I going so um I got North Northern which is Yay. like thank you very much which is it's weird because Northern is actually like northeast of England so it's look like Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland. Um, it kind of stretches down there to Cumbria as yeah. well. So it's weird because it's like northeast of England as well as Cumbria. So yeah. it looks like Calais or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually super happy. I've 
I've my brother used to live in Newcastle, so I'm oh. kind of familiar with Newcastle a bit. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, he lived there for two years, so I used to go visit him a lot and like I'd stay over and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm very like familiar with like Newcastle and a bit of the north east of England. Yeah. So I'm super excited to be going there and starting two years elsewhere. Um, hoping for the best, wishing for the best. Yeah. And yeah, it's been a wonderful journey. Bye, 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 Lancaster. Hello, northeast of England. <laughs> <laughs> no, massive congratulations to you. Thank you so much. You. Thank you so much. Oh, that is so exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. Like, I, it's just so so surreal. Like, yeah, like, life is coming at me so quickly. Like, I'm having to become an adult. I mean, I'm I'm an adult, but it's like I'm no longer a student. Yeah, I'm coming to the end. I'm trying to enter that proper professional life now. All that comes is that first paycheck. Azim, hello. <laughs> but then it's gonna go to rent, student finance, national insurance, NHS pension, tithes, and tithes, <laughs> <laughs> and collection as well. Yeah, gotta give God back his ten percent. Yeah, honestly. So I thought it would be good because you said the journey's coming to an end. If we could yes. just find out about your journey okay. from kind of where from? Not from the womb. Okay. Okay. So guys, okay. <laughs> do you even remember <laughs> exactly? <laughs> just kind of like um, from high school. I or? guess from when you you knew like, and I then you started a, okay. the process of applying. Okay. Yeah. So I have a very cliche story and <laughs> I probably would have put this in my personal statement but my mentor wouldn't let me so my cliche story comes from I've actually always wanted to be a doctor listen if that's your story own it because <laughs> that's actually a lot of people's story and I think my goal of being a doctor started when I was about five years old you know what? I'll allow it it's, it's not neonate it's infant <laughs> so go ahead so it's that when I was probably in primary school. So I'd always play my brother. My brother, my parents will attest to this. I'd always play games with my brother, and I'd always be the doctor. Mm. So we'd have a stethoscope at home because both my parents are healthcare in healthcare sector. Yeah. And I would. My brother would always be the patient, yeah. and I'll be the doctor, and I'd just be saying random stuff. Didn't know what I was talking about, and give prescribing him drugs. Didn't know what I was talking about either. Um, so I've always, like, in the back of my mind, had that medicine is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I think. Three, four months ago, I found a diary of mine from when I was primary, in primary school. Really? Yeah. I'm actually going to wait till I officially graduate to post a picture of what I wrote in the diary. Oh, beautiful. And in the diary, um, it's like one of those pre, they're already like pre-written statements and stuff. It's like, what mm. do you want to be in the future? How many kids do you want? Stuff like that. So I actually wrote, um, in the future, I want to be a doctor. Yeah. And I read it and I actually, I almost had a tear in my eye. I was like, I can't believe like, when I always tell people, I always feel a bit like, uh, but I, I have like evidence that literally Manuela will always wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. So for me, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And because of this passion I have had, I've always had for medicine since I was in primary school. I actually worked super hard in my, in primary school as a kid. My dad always ensured that me and my brother were, were hard workers. Yeah. So every day we'll come home from school, we'll do a couple of hours with my dad. We'll do our homework and then we'll do extra um, we'll do extra classes with him. Yeah. And then on weekends, before we do anything, we'll do like two, three hours of going through like books that he'd buy and we'll just like study through it. Yeah. So I was like very hard working. When I got to high GCSEs, um, when I got to, sorry, when I got to high school, again, I still knew that I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. I didn't really know how to get into medical school, but I knew that I needed to do really well in all my um, schoolwork. Yeah. So I really applied myself. Yeah. I was always like the top student in my classroom. 
Excellent. Yes, the spirit of excellence died from a young age. Yeah. So I was like always a top student in my class. I worked super hard in my exams, GCSEs. Listen, I studied for those. I didn't just mess about. I sat down and I studied for most of my, for all of my GCSEs, in fact. Yeah. And I achieved, like, I think I got, um, all in all, like, 10, 10 A stars to A's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I got, I think I got A's and A stars in almost every subject but one. I yeah. got a B in English. <laughs> That wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Listen, my, my perspective, as long as I can speak the language, it's all good. Um, but besides that, I've got an ANA star and everything else. Um, so I was I worked really hard in my GCSEs because I knew yeah. that I needed to make sure that I, I got A's and A stars to get into medicine. Mm. Um, my teachers were support some of my teachers were supportive. There was one teacher to this day, I remember your name, enemy of progress. <laughs> but God has dealt with you. I actually wanted to ask you um, a bit more about that, just to kind of share, because you've obviously told me in the mm. past, but like uh, kind of back to coronavirus, obviously GCSEs mm. and A-levels have been cancelled yeah. and they're pe- they're unsure if they're going to use people's predicted mm-hmm. grades. Yeah. And the outcry on Twitter, more from black Twitter, mm. is that we cannot use predicted no. grades because there is teacher bias and yeah. there is historical institutional like racism, racism yeah. evidence that luckily by the grace of god that's never been my portion but i i know too many people yeah. who their teachers consciously predict them like lower two grades. two three lower yeah. grades and they come out they smash it with a stars yeah. and it's like if you're predicting this, this student a c or mm-hmm. a d and they get in an a star mm-hmm. i think they need to be held to account exactly. as to why because yeah. you can't you can't pull out a problem that yeah an issue with your what you predict your the grades for the student yeah um yeah, no, I agree. So imagine, I was just thinking, like, imagine that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say it's 2000 or whatever, mm-hmm. you're applying to medicine and then um, Auntie Corona comes in and just rearranges the uh, whole year. Uh-huh. You you got that predicted grade for uh-huh. science. You wouldn't be in this position no, now. No, I wouldn't actually. Yeah. Because um, I know a lot of, although a lot of medical schools say they look at like A stars, I think it's some medical schools say you need like five A stars to... C in specific subject in um in five in five GCSEs. So medical schools say you need five A stars to A or seven A stars to A. Mm. Um, it depends on each medical school, and they look more into stuff like English, maths, science, science, yeah. especially not just science but like triple science or additional science because mm. that that's what separates a science student from a regular student. Yeah, most students do like a core science. I did core and additional. Um, mm. and in fact, it was my additional science teacher that said he predicted me i think he predicted me a b grade for additional science mm. um i was very annoyed yeah i went to him and i asked him can he change my predicted grade he uncle really said no and there was i think i remember vividly um i was in year 11 and me and my mum um went were teaching parent you know when they have to teach parent mm. evenings and the teacher was really saying that i needed to work extra hard he was like, oh, yeah, my nana's a really great student. She's one of the greatest, like, she's really good, but she needs to work extra hard if she's going to get into medical school. And I really wanted to laugh because I was actually one of the students in the class, like, I don't like to toot my horn, who was who did exceptionally well in that class. I think I was the only person who got an A-star in Honestly. additional science in my school. And I was just there thinking at that time because my parents knew how hard I worked. Yeah. And that teacher knows how hard I worked. Yeah. With mock exams, with everything in the class, with answering questions. I was just, to me, it was a shock that he said that. Mm. It was a shock that said I needed to work harder if I wanted to get into medicine because that was not what I was getting from other 
teachers. Yeah. Obviously, she would say, no, she's an amazing student. She's doing really well. She's predicted A's and A stars in my class. Yeah. So for me to hear that from my teacher was like, what? Yeah. I was like, what's this man on about? I mean, my mom was like, don't mind him. Oh my God. She was like, don't mind him. This man is an enemy of progress. Yeah. And I think for me, th- what hurt me the most was the fact that this teacher had changed his tune. What I mean by that was... Yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean? So in year 10, um, in my school, we sat our code science GCSC early. So we sat yeah. in year 10. So if you fail it, you can reset it in year 11. Yeah. And I got... I was the only student in my class, in my year, sorry, to get an A star in core science. In, oh, in core science, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in my school. And um, the teacher, he, him at the time, so what the first day of year 11, he came to me during my form time. And he was like, Emanuela, congratulations. You've done really well. You're the mm. first student. It was actually, I was the first female student in the history of that school mm. to get an A star in core science in year 10. And he even came to us like, congratulations, you've done our school really proud. Da, da, da. That exact same teacher, for then I to become his student and for him to change his tone, mm. I was just like, but uncle, what was the energy when you're congratulating me beginning of the year? And now you're trying to tell me that I need to work extra hard. I might not get into medicine, blah, 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 what blah. What coursework? Ladies and gentlemen, tell me how my coursework went missing. My coursework in year 11 for additional science went missing. Uncle really said, your graph, sorry, man, I don't know where your graph's gone to. I almost cried. <laughs> I remember thinking, wait, what? This guy's really trying to test me. And that's how I had to forfeit my lunch break to sit in classroom and like redo this graph. And then on results day, I think, I don't remember if the teachers were the ones who marked our coursework or they were externally marked. I got a C in my coursework. I don't get C's in my science GCSEs. It's, it's not possible. So when I saw that C grade, I was like, where did the C come from? Funny enough though, and I was always say that God is a good God because although I got a C grade in my science GCSE, mm. that could have dragged my entire grade from like an A star to an A. Yeah. But because I managed to do really well in all three written papers and I got almost full UMS in each paper. Come on. Okay, God is good. I got like almost, I think one paper, I got full UMS in one paper and in the other two, I got like two or three off full UMS. Mm. So even that C grade did not drag my grade down from an A star to an A. I was really like, God is good. The teacher tried it, yeah. but my God is greater. I'm just going to say like, my parents always kind of said like, and I always used to think, oh, you're being extra. Yeah. And a lot of people might, might not understand it. But just like the fact that sometimes you're black, you're a girl. Oh, 100%. And you're doing whammy. well. Yeah. Some people see that as a, as a, not a threat, but they're like, that's, that's not possible. Mm. This, this combination is not possible. Exactly. And they'll do everything in their power to kind of stop you. Mm. But we thank God that you, you are where you are today. And all I know is a lot of teachers in this country need to be held to account. Exactly. Whether it's unconscious bias yep. or a lot of it's direct bias, let's be honest. Mm, they know so, what they they know what they're thinking. How many people have they stopped becoming engineers, lawyers, doctors? Because of stuff like this. Yeah. And it's it's sad because you're killing the dream of someone who is young and you're meant to be mentoring and bringing up. Yeah. But in fact, what you're doing is you're just smashing it to smithereens. Yeah. And I'm grateful to God that I had parents that were supportive. Listen. The rest of my, rest of the teachers in the school were super supportive. Mm. It, was, it was only one teacher out of how many. So, thank God, if it was everybody else, I don't know how they've coped. Listen, do you know what's going to happen? One day, he'll just be in Newcastle <laughs> and he'll, he'll, you'll be on your A&E placement <laughs> and nothing serious. He might just break a, I don't know, tib- a tibia, fibula. Oh and then you'll be like, oh, hi, I'm um, Emmanuel. I'm the F1 on call. And he'll be like, oh, sir. <laughs> it's you. Is that you? Yeah. 
You didn't think I'd get into med school? I, I got pretty further, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's funny because anytime like because I'm not the only person. My story is quite mild. There's people who've had worse situations who've been predicted season everything and struggles to get into medical school yeah it's something that happens quite commonly it's not talked about a lot but it happens quite commonly in the um, mm. in the afro community african community which is why i kind of recognize why there's a need for widening partic- mm. participation not because um they they get c's so they're worthy of coming into med school but because they have so many different factors stacked yeah. up against them that that c is really supposed to be an a or yeah. it's supposed to be an a star yeah. but because of bias because of people's basic interference mm. they, they've not achieved it exactly. so anyway sorry so back to your story yes so obviously um you've been in primary school and you've written down you want to be a doctor yes. you've worked really hard smashed your gcse's yeah. um a levels yeah so a levels is pretty chill um i went to a really good college mm. like it was it was a massive college um kind of yeah because i did really my gcse to put me in a specific like f- tutor group mm. um to help people who wanted to like i don't know i think it's a bit discriminatory thinking about it now but it's called like the high achievers tutor group or whatever so there's oh wow they stuck everybody who got like i don't know five A's, that's the A's in the gcse and put us all in different tutor groups because i think my college was i uh, was it like a thousand or less than a thousand in a year was it a thousand people in total I was like a thousand people in total. Okay. So like five hundred in a year. It's okay. a massive. It's a massive college. Yeah. Um. So they stuck some of us in this um special tutor group, and we had like a lot of random stuff to do compared to other people's. I was a bit jealous of my other friends because like you guys don't do anything. They're forcing us to do career stuff. But you needed to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in hindsight, it was yeah. worth it. But yeah. So um, I was in the tutor group, and it sort of got tutors who really helped in my application for me to medical school yeah um most of my my teachers are really helpful because um my a2 teachers both my my i think my biology a2 teacher was super helpful she really helped in my application form um helped me with like if i needed any extra help in biology mm. chemistry teachers were super friendly even my math teachers they were like basically had best time ever at college yeah lots of support in terms of applying for uni and stuff like mm. that so i didn't have any issues i managed to get the grades that i um, i was predicted mm. um i think i was predicted three a's yeah and i got a star AA. um a bit started my chemistry grade i feel like i should have gone a star in chemistry but <sighs> let it go i have to let it go actually let it go <laughs> <laughs> i remember feeling like it uh, maybe if you're a high achiever, you might understand this feeling when you get a grade and you're mm, happy, yeah. but you're not happy. Yeah. That was me on resource day. Oh my gosh. I was like... I can relate. Because on resource day, I remember Lancaster University did this thing where, I think it was 5am, I got an email that said, well done, you've made it. Mm. And I was like, oh, I made it. I, I'm in medical school. <laughs> yeah. And then like, two hours later, my university dropped to the the grades. So I was like, okay, I know I must have got minimum a, um, three A's because that's yeah. what I used to get to med school. So I was like, okay, Minimum, I've got my three A's. Yeah. But let me see how well I did. So I checked my grades when I woke up. And I was like, A-star, A-A. I was like, okay, cool. Next thing, I was like, let me check the UMS points. Mm. Let's see how close I was to A-stars and the other ones. Why you do that to yourself? Ah, listen. I was, I was, I'm still that kind of person. Um, So I checked nah. it and I was like. <laughs> I'm so different now. Have I passed? Okay. Netflix. Turn over. Sleep. <laughs> so I checked my UMS points. It came and I was like, damn, I was so close to an A-star. But yeah, I had to let the girls like, you know what, God's good. I mean, I got into uni. Yeah. But getting into uni actually was not smooth sailing. Yeah, do you want to let us know about that? Boy, I feel like my life was just have obstacles up and down, up and down. 
So <laughs> in eggs two, I applied for uni, and basically the first hurdle that I had to overcome was the UK cap. Yeah. So I paid my I think it was seventy to eighty pounds. Oh to yeah, go, you mentioned <laughs> to go write my UK cap. And I turned up to the centre. Then man told me, nah, sorry B, you can't write this exam. Yeah. Your um your 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 um your passport, because I took my passport at the time, yeah, has to be um it has to be done when you were sixteen years old. Mm. And at that time man was when I was fifteen. I've got my British passport so that had gone missing somewhere. So I took my Ghanaian passport. And you <laughs> Do you know what I was going to say? You've said this on the podcast before, but this is new information. <laughs> so, yeah, I somehow lost my my British passport. Listen, if I lost my passport, my mum killed me. Well, killed well me. I lost it, but then I went to the police station to report it. And then I found the same passport three years later in my house. In a coat. Anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> After I got myself a new passport. <laughs> Anyways... Um, so yeah, I went in and they were like, yeah, I can't sit here. I went to my school to get them to write a letter and stamp it as a form of ID. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what it said on the UK cap website that could be used as an alternative form of ID. Yeah. I took it, then man were like, oh, sorry, blah, 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 blah. So I carried my bag, left Piccadilly 111, cause that was the place to sit the UK cap. <laughs> and, um, I really started crying to the phone and my dad's like, dad, then I say I can't sit next time. And for me, that the thing that was sad was I paid seventy or eighty pounds, whatever it was at that time, to go sit an exam yeah. that I cannot now come and sit. No way, I'm going to have time to get a new passport, etc., etc., etc. So mm-hmm. I was like, Do you know what, sack it. I'm just going to have to apply to be at universities and then change my change my entire like what? personal statement and stuff. Yeah, or? not even personal statement. I had to change which university I wanted to apply to. Oh yeah. So I was going to go to Oxford or Imperial, mm-hmm. so I applied to those two. And they were both BMAT. And I was already like, I'd already registered to write the BMAT in the, I think it was October time. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. So then the other two universities, I was like, I have to apply to universities that either take BMAT or don't at all. Mm. So at that time, Lancaster University did not require any entrance exam. Hmm. So I put Lancaster as one of my choices. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know where this place was. Listen, you're an hour away <laughs> from here. I didn't know where this place was yet. And I'm allowed. I really didn't know. Like... I've always known Manchester or that's it. It was either Manchester or London. I didn't know when I'm very bad at my Listen, English geography. It's, it's the Great Republic of London to you. <laughs> to me it was either London <laughs> or Manchester, anywhere or Sheffield or, Le- or Leeds. Anywhere else was a myth. If you asked me where Carlisle was five, six years ago, I'd be like, Where's Carlisle? It's Carlisle a place in England. Bro, ask me where it is today. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I've really did not know I even had to ask myself, I was like, Where's Lancaster? He's like, Yeah, it's up north, is is around here somewhere. I had to look at a map and I was like, oh, it's not that far from home. Yeah. So this is after I'd applied, by the way. So I was just like, okay, I was in rush. Yeah, because you got to do the BMAT anyway. Yeah, so, so before you send. Exactly. No, after you send. After send your, yeah. yeah. So I um, sent my application off. I applied to Lancaster. I think I applied to Birmingham, Imperial and Oxford. So I was like, do you know what? What will be, will be. Mm. And so I wrote my BMAT. I did okay, but not... I didn't get like the high, like super high enough to get into Oxford and Imperial. Yeah. So unfortunately, I got rejected from both. Um, I think Birmingham just straight out rejected me. And then MMI there, and it was it was crazy. Really. I felt like I just left the the spin cycle of a washing machine <laughs> when I was done. It was it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then and then I got actually got re- I I got an offer for a little, um, an interview in Lancaster. Mm. So I came down for that interview, and boy, that day was hectic. 
Um, let's just say my bowels weren't playing up. <laughs> my bowels were playing up that day. Uh, so I had my interview and I went back to Manchester. I actually was ill the following day. I, doctor oh. said I might have meningitis. So I was like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, <laughs> listen. I, had fe- I had fevers, chills. Very Every nice. time I moved my neck, my neck was hurting. Photophobia? I didn't have photophobia. Nausea and vomiting? I had nausea and vomiting. I had nausea vomiting. Mm. So I went and the doctor was like, yeah. I don't I really trust that GP at that time anyway. Uh, he was like, yeah, you might have meningitis. That's what he said. He said, you might have. Uncle didn't test me. No, not a single blood test. Thinking about it, that's very poor. Listen. Imagine if I did have meningitis. Listen, he wants you, he wants you to become septic and be admitted to hospital. That's what I'm saying. That's the only logic. Thinking about it, all he told me was just to go home and rest and like, boy, anyway. So he's like, you may have meningitis, he's not sure, blah, blah, blah. So I was actually really ill um, the day after my interview. So all of that's happened, blah, it's finished. And then I get a rejection from Lancaster. Okay. Huh? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so then I was like, I remember getting the email, something you cast something that changed, clicked mm. on it. It's like, sorry. I was like, hey, so no, I have no university to go to because I didn't. Because oh. most people who apply for medicine apply for four medical schools and then a backup. Yeah, I was like, it's medicine or nothing. If I'm not getting into medical school, I will just reapply. Why can't people apply for five options? I've never understood that. Never have I. Never have. Oh, I. is it the backup, the the, the non medical yeah, backup? Yeah, so I didn't have a non medical backup. Nah, normalized gap years. Exactly. If you want to do medicine, you want to do it. So I didn't have a backup. I was yeah. like, I was. So my parents took a gap year and go to America because I've got family there. Yeah. Um, and then in May, it was funny because my grandma had passed away. And then like two days later, I get an email from Aww. Lancaster Medical School saying, um, I was put on a reserve list and the reserve list had been activated. Yeah. So now they're off- giving me an offer. So I thought, it was, I was like shook. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was very, I was in the days. I was like, this cannot be real. Mm. Exams were a month away. I had like my, was it my empire, chemistry empire and biology i saw coming up soon a level days listen those words are mean nothing to me <laughs> i had i had them like in two three days after the email so life was really hectic for me right then mm. and obviously i had a bereavement as well so yeah and then after that i got my a level um, a level grades you know worked hard to get those those grades and then now i'm here in medical school it's a long-winded story, but there was a lot of highs and lows. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's important. Everyone, everyone's story is different. Yeah, and we don't know who's listening and who might have that enemy of progress teacher. Exactly. Or like who might be like, oh, I'm on the reserve list. It, it can happen for you. You're not the first yeah. person I know that's been on the reserve list. That's Quite got in. A lot of my friends in my year were on the reserve list. Yeah. And actually, I think my year there was is it 30, 30 applicants to one place because there was 54, 54 places then. Mm. And was that I think a thousand people applied that year? That's why they introduced the BMAT, BMAT for yeah. my year. Yeah. So a lot of people like applied. So to even think that, all right, okay, I was put on the reserve list, but out of those a thousand people, I've got an offer and now I'm here. Yeah. It's insane. And you're at the end. I'm at the end. So I just wanted to ask you kind of two more questions. So the first one is, um, what's been your greatest moment in the five years of med school? Oh, um, my greatest moment has to be in third year. Okay. When I was doing my ops and gynae placement in Barrow, I was doing a night shift, and I witnessed my first ever birth. Aww. Um, and the lady who was giving birth, she was like maybe two years younger than me or something like that. Oh, those are the ones that always get you. Cause yeah. Because you look in the bed and you're like, that could be me. Yeah, she was younger than me. And she, so she gave birth, um, and throughout, she was with her mum, 
and she was like super quiet super polite just really sweet Aww. sweet young girl so then after she gave birth she was like to me um she had a bit of she had a tear mm. it was like a, a second degree tear so they had to take into theater to stitch her up and the thing that got to me was when they were taking to theater she was like to the midwife can i come with her she wants oh, me to come with her. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I went with her into theatre and I held her hand as they were like an, um, putting her under. Um, I think this was giving her some medication to just, you know, keep, to put her to sleep. And I was just holding her hand throughout the whole time. She asked me to hold the hand and I held her hand. Oh, that's so sweet. As she closed her eyes and after the operation, I was there in recovery with her. Yeah. When she was coming around, she opened her eyes and I held her hand as she was coming, coming to as well. And she was just so grateful to have me the hat the entire night. I was just Oh, that's so nice. That was like my best my best memory so far. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I guess my final question would be we both know med school is very challenging. Mm-hmm. What's kind of been your biggest challenge? Sub questions, how did you kind of overcome it and maybe advice you have for anyone who may have gone through something similar? Um biggest challenge i wouldn't even say it's exams because exams is part of life like yeah you you finish them and you cry is and next year rolls around exactly you got to again <laughs> biggest challenge for me i always tell people is the is the mental health aspect of medical school yeah um and i think for me my mental health was tested a lot in second year mm-hmm. coming from like first year of social i i would come home after clinical skills one two hours of clinical skills and be like i'm tired watch netflix and sleep <laughs> like yeah life is sweet in first year, man. and then right second year is like oh got two for me the first rotation was in barrow so mm. it's like oh you've got two days of placement you're waking up at ridiculous hours to catch a boss in it's dark you come back home in it's dark mm. you have all this um, pbl work to do so i was i was really like down a lot in second year i really struggled yeah. um obviously it being winter yeah workload doubling within the space of months and then having placement on top of it really did affect my mental health. And I struggled a lot. There was a lot of tears. I cried a lot. Oh. I cried a lot. My flatmate will attest to it. Girl, I was in her bedroom. I've been knocking the door like, Summer. And I just break down crying in front of her. We'll both just be there crying and consoling each other. Because it really took a toll on us. Not just me. I think it took a toll on a lot of people in that cohort. As in the first lot of barrows. Yeah. Yeah, i done it as well. It's hard. It affected me, not going to lie. It's hard. You just feel like... You're not in control, no. but you just got to keep going. Exactly. You know that meme, yeah, where there's the dog with the cup of tea and everything's on fire? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, <laughs> so like, it was just like, I, yeah, life was just hectic, not knowing, just, it was just sad. Every day was sad. Not sad like, oh, I'm sad internally, but it was like, it's dark when I go, it's dark when I come back. Placement is long, it's, it's like, it's fun to see patients, but it's getting tedious. Did they make it really hard for you to get signed off in the beginning yeah, as well? Yeah, they did, they did. Listen, I knew, yeah, like maybe about a couple of weeks in, I started, my, my history started to bang, yeah, but they would on purposely not sign you off for one tiny exactly. thing. Same with clinical skills. If you see my clinical skills now, yeah, yay. <laughs> but I think it's character yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, it is, mm. it is. So yeah, so second year for me was the biggest hurdle. And I think what I did to overcome it was the people I had around me. Mm. So obviously I had my flatmate who was in the same predicament. She understood me. I was able to offload to her. Yeah. My parents were super helpful. Um, some of my friends, I have friends in upper years. Yeah. Shama, Abigail, Lisa, them yeah. three. In second year, they got me through it, man. They got me through second year a lot so I could always ask them questions about it and mm. they could support me and stuff. And also saying as a Christian prayer, like mm. praying to God, yeah. and just worshiping, 
helped me so much till this day that still helps me it will always help me till i die mm. so those are like the, the, the tips that i have mm. but sometimes also take time to breathe and if life's getting too much relax you yeah. come and kill yourself for a degree <laughs> <laughs> well thank you thank you thank you so much Emmanuel. you're welcome sharing your story yes i hope it's really inspired someone like obviously i i've known quite a bit of your story but i've learned like new things today and it's just it's just amazing that <laughs> you've gone from that that teeny tiny girl know, to basically a doctor in like two weeks time <sighs> yeah it's crazy it's yeah. actually super crazy like there's a picture of me somewhere as a little baby where is it yes here's the picture of little emmanuela and it's like this is little me should we put the picture in the internet <laughs> oh that's actually so cute <laughs> in a okay. dress i'm gonna take a picture and i'll put it on the instagram yeah so yeah little me as a as a kitty and now like this little me is gonna be a doctor it's, it's just insane it's so it's, surreal it's crazy i don't know how my parents must be feeling at this moment in time oh my mom doesn't listen to me she's like you just more person you're not a doctor like <laughs> <laughs> but oh. you know how african mothers are like yeah we love them still we do mother's, yeah, mother's day mother's day on sunday Listen, the sibling WhatsApp group is active. Really? Every year we don't know what to do. Bring and the gift we wanted to get... Cart. A holiday. Co- coronavirus just came over it. Care? We wanted to get her a, like a spa thing, but... Oh, you can. <laughs> no, with coronavirus and the aunties and the, and the WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah. The African aunties need to be stopped in the WhatsApp group. They are the captains of fake news. Not just aunties, uncles as well. My uncles be sending stuff and I'm having to debunk it. Listen... I just I just ignore it because I'll drive myself mad if I reply to yeah, everything. It's true. Like first I heard black people can't get coronavirus. Oh, lies. Listen. Look at other African countries that have it now. People Look. saying young people can't get it. I was like lies. People, babies be getting it. People are saying if you if you hold your breath and you're like you're not, not coughing, coughing, then you don't have lung fibrosis. I said, babe, it, I, I saw you need like a CT for us. I was for that. say that. <laughs> so yeah. Oh Lord, Lord help us with all this fake news. Listen, I really want to scatter so many WhatsApp group, but that's another story for another day. You don't have energy for that, man. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Yes, thank you very much for listening. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music and Podbean. And don't forget to like and push us up in the Apple charts. Yes! And (laughs) share with your friends. Yes. But um, everyone stay well, stay safe during this kind of virus epidemic. And social isolation and self and social distancing is yeah. very important please um should we give a kind of teaser what we're going to talk about on our next podcast yes so the next episode we're going to talk a bit about mental health and self-isolating so um stay tuned very very soon bye bye, bye.